Hi everybody, Karen popping in with a quick reminder that the contest part of the stash down is ending soon. We'll probably record on May 4th or 5th, so you'll have a couple extra days to get it in, but we'll be picking the drawing then. Of course, the stash down won't end. It'll keep That thread will keep going. I know I'll certainly still be trying to control my stash. But if you want to get your name in for the drawing, just comment in the Ravelry thread or on the blog or send us an email at knitonegeek2.gmail.com to get your name in before about the 3rd of May. And now, on to the regular episode. In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting in Klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. Hi everyone, it's April 20th, 2012, and you're listening to episode 37 of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen. And I'm Maggie. And I have had it with these mother frackin' shuttles on this mother frackin' plane! Do you feel better now? Yes. At least there were not snakes on your mother frackin' shuttle on the mother frackin' plane. <laughs> oh my god, that would be an awesome movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> snakes on a shuttle? A whole new realm of aliens? Anyway. Alright, hi everybody, how you doing? <laughs> it will make sense later. Just yes, me. okay. Plus we are both tired and kind of loopy, so. It's the end of the week. Deal with us the way you always have been. Some of us are sleep deprived. <laughs> <laughs> so, adventures in knitting. I'll go first because mine is minimal. I am, I'm wearing the other sock right now. It still has the needles on it, The other what sock? The other Watson! <laughs> unfortunately, I am one repeat and a cuff away from actually finishing the dang things. Yay! I wanted, wanted, wanted to have it finished for this podcast, but you know what? That was my mistake in making a plan. Yeah. I should just not do that. So how about I just say this, that if I don't have this puppy finished by next week when we record, feel free to flog me. We might get some listeners over from the S&M corner. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah. Would you like that, Maggie? Uh, whatever. Would you prefer the nitpick circulars to be flogged with? <laughs> or, the, or shall I use a straight needle? Okay, we just opened up a whole new realm <laughs> of weirdness for knitting. But yeah, these are so close to being done, and I feel like such an, a naughty knitter for... I've only had one project on the go, and they're still not done! See, that was your problem, only having one project on the go. Because you still wouldn't be done, but then you'd have two projects to talk about. Yes, I would. I would. <laughs> I am almost, almost, so almost, and I think I'm going to post it in Ravelry when these get finished. Oh my fracking, thank you, fracking, they're done! <laughs> but yes. My Watsons are one repeat and a cuff away from being done, and they fit my feet very, very well. I'm, I'm actually really happy with the fit. Socks that actually fit my mini feet, which I have found very few sock patterns actually accommodate. <laughs> Other than that, yes, I will be moving on to Cadence next, because as I said, it was the other of my two lover boy socks. So I will be moving on to Cadence to soothe its wounds that I have been ignoring it for the past few weeks. Yeah, this whole S&M thing just took, just, <laughs> anyway. And other than that, by the next time we record, I will have gone to a knitting convention. Not to put a sore spot on Karen's day. 
<laughs> she might. I'm glad for you, but also sad. She might actually poke me with a knitting needle. Yes, because you are going to the knitting frolic next week. Yes. And because we will not be podcasting again before the knitting frolic, we should probably mention here that I'm going to give Maggie the stickers that I have. Yeah. So if you spot Maggie, because she's the only one that's going to be there. I need to print you out and put you <laughs> on a stick. Yeah, Karen and Astique. It's too bad I couldn't set up my little webcam, like, on my work computer so that I would you so wear Skype a headband in. with the little mini cam right in the forehead <laughs> so that you could see everything going on. So you could Skype me in. Yeah, Skype you in. <laughs> it's like, Skype Karen, people. did you want this one or this one? Oh man, the color's not good. Wait, turn your head to the left. Okay, yeah, I want the one in your left hand. Yes, well, I might have to ask you and Michelle to collaborate to find a couple things for me. Colors. I can do that. Because there was that one color of the Jameson's Oh, yes, yarn. for your feral. I had been planning to go to the Knitter's Frolic. Yes. And get a couple different greens. <laughs> but I am not going. So I might have to ask you. And and, and, and Michelle's done a lot of feral knitting, so yeah. she'll be able to tell. She'll have some expertise to add We to can it. definitely but yes. shop on your behalf and bring so home. So you will have the stickers. And if you find Maggie... And I am not going to be doing any kind of hiding. Yeah, she's hopefully going to have the t-shirt. I will have my t-shirt. If she remembers to wear it. Or to wash it. <laughs> I will wash it. I will wear it. Yeah, so find Maggie. You will get sticker until we run out of sticker. I will be wearing pants, too. Well, yeah, that would be good. <laughs> Otherwise, I doubt I'd get through the front door. I'm trying to think of Just this. watch every knitting celebrity would be there if you weren't there without pants. <laughs> you know, the yarn harlot would come running up to you or something, and you'd, you'd bump into the yarn harlot or something, and you'd be not wearing pants. Yeah, that would be that high school nightmare equivalent to being in class naked without your homework. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some other way I can make myself visible because I'm a teeny little person sometimes, especially in a crowd, but... Well, that's where the challenge comes in. Okay. It's a scavenger hunt. Plus, you've got your name on the back. True. I just can't wear my shawl over it then. Nah. Well, you could still. Just take it off a couple times. Wrap it around my head? I don't think that would... I don't know. No, okay. People might see you from the back and then walk in the other direction. <laughs> I didn't know they were letting the weirdos in. It's a yarn, yarn convention. convention. <laughs> They're all weirdos. We're all weirdos. Anyways, okay, yeah. I am seriously thinking about picking up yarn for the vodka lemonade yes. party. I haven't stopped thinking about it. Do you know what color? Well, I've been looking at Tannis's colors, and it's the aquamarines, because aquamarine is really a forerunner of my favorite color. Buttercup, cobalt. Or poppy red. I like you most of these colors. Yes, and once again... these are all from TannisFiberArts.com. So once again, Maggie does not have a color decision. However, I am going to go with some sort of vivid color. I have Mm. enough neutrals in my wardrobe. I want a vivid, which is why I'm going with the cobalt or the poppy or the the yellow or the Mm -hmm. aquamarine. Something like that. And it will probably depend on what I had for breakfast that day and how the stars align that particular yeah, moment. Just what your mood is that day. Yep. Anything else you'll be looking for? Probably that wild card. Just something that grabs you? Just something that grabs me while I'm there, because as I've seen from this past week, when you make too many plans, <laughs> life says no, thou shalt not be. <laughs> well, you know, going to a yarn convention with an open mind and an open wallet is pretty, usually a pretty good thing. The open wallet is the hard part. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad I've been paying extra payments to the credit card. So, what about you? Okay, well, for my adventures in knitting, I have lots of progress on one thing and not so much progress on anything else. Oh, you've um, had more progress than me, I'm sure. I've had quite a lot of progress on the Vlad shawl, finishing a few body repeats, the transition chart, and the first four pattern rows of the edging chart. Dang. Which is added like a few inches to it like maybe four inches or so and when that gets stretched out yeah quite a bit yeah that's in its unblocked state the reason i have so much progress is because i spent like six hours on sunday 
watching Titanic documentaries that were on the PVR. Somebody is a little obsessed. Really? <laughs> I've only been kind of obsessed with this for 20 years. I know. Which makes me feel old. The, the really scary thing, though, is that uh, I watched like six hours of stuff last weekend. I've still got like 12 hours of stuff on the PVR still to watch. Somebody is in-depth obsessed. Well, I just, you know, basically hit the... Our DVR has something called a view pass, where you type in something and it will find anywhere on the schedule anything with that name. Right. And it doesn't have to be something that's airing, like, for the next week or whatever. You know, you can type in the name of a show, like I typed in the American show called Justified months ago. And finally, like, a few weeks ago, I noticed it popped up on the DVR, and it's like, oh, they're finally showing that. So you can have it just look for that thing. After I realized that um, the National Geographic channel is on free preview this month, yes! Because, like, 75% of the Titanic stuff that was on TV last weekend was on National Geographic, including some stuff I really wanted to see. I kind of did a view pass for the word Titanic. And then I went into the schedule and made sure it wasn't, you know, going to duplicate things. And I think I maybe said, okay, no, don't, don't record these two programs, but record these other... 12. <laughs> so yeah, I, I have some some TV viewing to do. It's all happy knitting time. Yep, lots of happy knitting time, especially last weekend. So yeah, I was basically, you know, watching that stuff and sobbing my eyes out and watching more stuff and still more sobbing and knitting a lot. So I got quite a lot done. I have seven more patterned rows of the edging chart. It's actually 14 rows because there's pearl back rows, but I tend to count these things just by the number of actual like pattern rows and i did an extra body chart row and that's the one bit here that maggie can see that i've marked with a lifeline just in case looking at the the amount of yarn i have i'm like 99 percent sure i'm gonna be fine okay but i put the lifeline in just in case yep so that i can rip back to that's before the last body chart repeat that i did so i remember you telling me about lifelines and i'm like dude i wish i had thought of that yeah, I, yeah, I think I remember you telling telling you about this on the podcast. Yeah, you're like, I wish I had known this before that epic shawl I did. Yeah, my very first shawl that I wanted to do was a seventeen chart shawl because it transitioned from one pattern into another. Yeah, yeah. Let's not do anything easy just for starters. No, why do that? Why do that? That's boring. Let's jump into the deep end and see if we could swim. But anyway, since that day, it's been, or since then, it's been a long week. Uh, my body decided to wake up an hour before my alarm on the day I was working nine to six downtown. <laughs> so needless to say, I've not gotten a lot of knitting done. Though I think yesterday and today I've gotten a fair bit done on my crystalline socks, which is in my own hand-painted yarn in the Cotton Candy and Tilt a Whirls Do Not Mix colorway. Love that name. And I'm almost to the heel on the second sock. The first sock, I stopped a little way up the leg after finishing the heel. These are, I'm doing the toe up. So first one I did the heel and went a little way up the leg and then I stopped because I want to catch the, have the second sock catch up so that, you know, again, if I have, end up having more yarn... Yeah. In one ball, then the other I can pillage from the one. Though it should be fine, like, looking at the amounts. I usually manage to split it roughly half, or at least close enough that, you know, it doesn't really matter when I, you know, I end up finishing the leg early enough anyway. The only thing is the last couple rows of this sock, I have had to, like, tink back the pattern row a couple times. Mainly because I'm tired and I keep forgetting to put in the plain row. Uh -huh. In between the one where you actually slip stitches and create the little strands across yeah. the front. Yeah. I would go, I would do that, and then the next next round I'd do the one where you duck the needle under the, stri the slit strand, strand. And it's not and there. It, 
And no, you're supposed to do plain row in between. Otherwise, you don't get these nice little diamonds. They don't make a noticeable peak. So I kept forgetting to do that. Just Pinking was... is always hard. Yeah. And then this one, I forgot to cross a cable <laughs> the last time I was working it. So I just had to rip back. I just dropped the stitches of the cable back one row and pulled out the, the little strand of working yarn from the last row. Right, right. And I'm going to recross them and re-knit it. I was just close to getting to your house on the bus. <laughs> and I didn't want to try and chance it. And then, like, from earlier in the week when I, I really wanted knitting, especially because knit night was also in the night where I, for some reason, woke up really early, so didn't get much sleep, and was working for eight hours downtown. And then it was knit night. Yeah. <laughs> so I just brought one of my plain, tiny stitches of doom socks. Ooh, is this a Zauber? Yep. That's oh. a crazy Zauber ball. I've always wanted to knit one of these. Zauberlicious. Yeah, the, yes, the crazy Zauber ball. This one is in blues and greens and gray and black. And I think the colorway is called... Actually, do I still have the tag on this thing? No. I don't know if it's like an official name or if it's just one of those things where yarn stores have sort of given it a name. I think this one is called U-Boat. Okay. Or something like that. It's again, it's a sort of nautical underwater sort of name. Not surprisingly with the colors. But yeah, it's one of the ones where it's two strands of yarn twisted together and each strand sort of changes colors at different rates. So sometimes they'll meet up and they'll have the same color, like on the toe of the sock that I've just it's started. A bit, it's a bit more of a vivid blue. Yeah. Well, because the two, because when I was knitting that, that part of the strand, both strands were the, the cobalt blue. Yeah. But then where it is now, one strand is still the blue, but the other strand has turned to like a dark charcoal gray and is moving into the black while the other one is going to start moving into the green. So then you get that sort of barber poly yeah. tweety effect. But it's so cool the way it transitions. Yeah, it just gradually transitions from color to color. Love that. And it's a very fine yarn, and I use... And it is Tiny Stitches of Doom, Yeah, seriously. I use two millimeter needles, so I call them my Tiny Stitches of Doom socks. And they're basically just... I've got one sock done. I'm doing the second one. It's sort of one of those... My backup project for, like, this week when I'm tired, but I need something to work on at knit yeah. Or if I just feel like doing plain stockinette, I'll just, you know, grab it, and it gets done whenever it gets done. Yes, hello, sock. <laughs> Maggie's got it on her hand and is making it talk at me. But yeah, that's pretty much me for knitting this week. I am looking forward to staying home tomorrow and knitting and finally watching Thor. Yes, you need to watch Thor. <laughs> you will do eat because there is a very important movie coming up. Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> mega squee, mega squee. And speaking of squee... I'm going to be such a fangirl in that movie theater. I'm going to embarrass everybody around me. Well, yeah, you'll be in good company. Yeah, probably. But yes, speaking of squee, moving into... Geek squee! So to explain our little post-opening thing, this week the space shuttle Discovery moved to its new home at the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum. Now, you, you, can, you don't exactly move a space shuttle the way you would move a car or a boat. Or anything you, like that. You know, with anything smaller, you'd put it on the back of an 18-wheeler or a U-Haul or... Yeah. You know, something with a lot of wheels and a big motor and a big horn and probably really bad gas mileage. Yeah. Of course, the problem with the shuttle is bridges. There's Even, that problem. I imagine freeway bridges would probably be too I keep imagining that it. it's something... It would be something out of a movie where you'd be going along freeway traffic and then just in the other direction you can see a space shuttle coming. Oh my god, I just have a mental image of some kind of berm or something yeah. blocking all view of the truck and yeah. you just see a space shuttle moving yeah. towards you. It's seriously something that would happen on a Joss Whedon movie. Yeah. 
But so instead, they move it using a plane. Hopefully without snakes. Basically what they did is, I imagine this is how they moved the shuttles if they had to land at a at one of their emergency landing sites elsewhere in the world. As far as I know, they've never had to do that. What they do is, it's called mating. Basically they take a gigantic... Now, now we've gotten to a, gone to a PG rating. <laughs> well, honey, when a space shuttle and a plane <laughs> love each other very much... Um, basically what they do is a giant crane, or device, lifts the space shuttle and puts it on the back of a plane. And people in the Washington... Piggyback ride. Yeah, basically. And people in the Washington, D.C. area today, this week actually got to see this plane and the shuttle arriving at, I believe it was Dulles Airport, but some people said that it was actually circling the Washington area for like 30 minutes so people could actually go outside and see the play, the shuttle That's on the very of the cool. plane. It looks really cool. Yeah, yeah that at- is a bit of history that people can look outside and actually see. Yeah, it actually landed at Dulles on Tuesday, and then it had to be demated from the 747 that was carrying it. They broke up? Before it was towed to the Smithsonian. And then yesterday, Friday, yesterday, Thursday, they had had a sort of ceremony, sort of transferring the, the shuttle to its new home uh-huh. at the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum. And one of the really cool things about it was the Smithsonian already had in its museum the Enterprise, which was a prototype space shuttle that they had used for testing different things, but had never actually been to space. You're telling me that it's not the Star Trek ship? No, but it is named after the Star Trek <laughs> ship because a whole lot of Star Trek fans, I remember looking this up like weeks ago, a whole lot of Star Trek fans voted in a poll or wrote in to have them name it after the Enterprise. Yeah. Just wanted to clarify that, though. They don't actually have the set and props no. of Enterprise. And so at the Air Space Museum, what they did is they towed Enterprise out of the hangar where they, it had been displayed. It's gonna be, it has, you know, big hangar doors. In the middle of the hangar doors, there's this little cutout, rectangular cutout for the tail of the, of the, the space shuttle you can fit through. That's cool. And they towed that out onto the sort of uh, tarmac outside, and then they brought in Discovery and put the two shuttles, like, nose, nose to, to nose. nose. And one of the really cool things was that, of course, because Enter- Enterprise was never in space, it's all pretty and bright white and dark black, and it looks, you know, nice and clean and everything. It's crisp. And, and then there's Discovery, <laughs> which still has all the discoloration and everything. Yeah. From, you know, entering Earth's orbit. So Bat- it's really neat to see, like... It looks like battle-used... Yeah. It just really showed up more like, this is what space does to objects. Yes, this is what it... <laughs> and this what, is what re-entry does. Re-entry can do <laughs> to you. You can see on the bottom of this shuttle, you can see the little sort of little... There's like little... Yeah. There it goes, nose to nose. And kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm expecting a, you know, nice power ballad to go into the background. Yeah. It was really neat. And I saw a shot where you could see sort of under the wing of Discovery... And you could see a lot of, like, even darker areas and stuff where it looked like the heat shields had just about been burnt down. Wow. <laughs> from re-entry. It was really cool. And they had a nice little ceremony, and one of the things that the head of the Air and Space Museum was mentioned is that this shuttle is going to be parked in the same area. They have the Wright Brothers plane, <laughs> which one kind of made me a little wibbly, but it's also just kind of amazing to think about. Yeah. Because, especially when you think about the distance in years between the two. And comparing that to human civilization, it's yeah. not that long. Yeah, I mean, think of how long people were going about in sailing ships. Yeah. And the technology really didn't change that much. And then in the span of one century, 
even less. Yes. Like 80 years. We went from being stuck on the ground to being in space. Being in space. And going in space on a relatively routine. Routine as in regular basis, I should say. Space travel is never routine. No, but knowing that it can be done and done again. Yeah, and that can be done more than once, that more than one person can go. Yeah. That someone like John Glenn, when he's like, I think it was in his 70s, could go into outer space again. It's kind of amazing to think of. And now, like, I really want to go. You wanna <laughs> I already go wanted to go. like Into space? Well, that would be kind of cool, too. But no, I already, like... I would love to go to the Smithsonian, like, oh. like all of the different Smithsonian museums. But like, oh man, it would be so amazing to go there and be like, space shuttle! Put you in a box and send you. I don't know if I fold up that small. <laughs> you hear little noises as they unpack me at Dulles. Excuse me! <laughs> I really need to pee! <laughs> I had a two liter of coke in here when I left! No, not that kind, the liquid kind! Ah, uh, snakes on a plane and Karen in a box. Pretty cool, and it's also, but it was also sort of like, oh, space shuttles, they're retired now. Well, for right now, I'm sure humanity isn't going to completely give up on space. No matter oh, no, there's a whole bunch of companies that are working on it and stuff like that, and I've even heard within the last couple of weeks about a, a couple of them that are getting there to the point of... The populace will not rest until we have bubble cars that can fold up into briefcases a la the Jetsons. Oh, God. People driving in 3D, that's scary. No, it's just... And it's just sort of a thing. Like, when the last space shuttle mission ended, we're talking about this in the podcast, and, you know, I mentioned... It's just that these have been around our entire lives. Yeah, they have. For most of our entire lives. Imagine what's going to be around for the next generation. What they're going to say. This has always been here. And we're going to be like, no. Where they're like, at the end of this century, going to be like, man, you know, when this century started, people could like, go to the moon and that was it. Just think of how, and now we can go even way further. How crazy is that? Or they'll be like, wow, people could go to the moon, but it was, you know, six people who had all this special training. Now we have a base there. Something like that. Oh, and the other thing, I'm not sure exactly when, so I don't know. It might already have been passed by the time we get this out. But apparently Enterprise is being sent to a museum in New York City. So people in New York City, keep your eye on the skies. You could see another piggyback. A shuttle on a plane. I'm sorry, I'm now imagining this, <laughs> this love triangle between the plane and the two shuttles. Well, moving from what's in the sky to what's in the ground. Last week, we discussed preparations for the zombie apocalypse. Well, if in the future, your great-great-great-grandchildren want to come back and, and to see if you were a part of the zombie apocalypse, the new thing to do is to put QR codes on the headstones. And the code itself, yes, which... We're not talking like a sticker or a piece of paper or anything like that. It is engraved into. It will link to an interactive site or website or some other source to give you a memorial and information about the loved one that has passed. This is already in progress right now, and the sites that make the tombstones offer the upkeep for the websites and the... So they don't go the way of GeoCities? Yeah. That that was really, for me, a, a, a WTF somewhere along the way this week. Because I'm imagining the romance, I suppose, as much as there can be romance in a graveyard, but there's actual history and you, you don't need technology to read some of the tombstones that go back to 17th, 18th, 19th centuries. And No, but if you're doing genealogical research... Yes, that would be a heck of a lot easier. Or if you're research about someone. That's true. I mean, I know from looking around on the internet just this last week for a few things, or which I've, you know, looked for previous years, you know, there's so much 
that a simple tombstone will not tell you. That is true. That people in future might want to know. Like even things like, what kind of person were you? <laughs> what were you like? You know? Well, I what do you look like outside of a, of a couple, you know, stilted photographs? I don't think on the memorial website they're going to say, well, actually, this person was a real, you know, pain in the ass. Pain in the ass. No, but I mean, like, what they could library. have on the, theoretically on the website, you could have video from, like, family okay, occasions. Okay, yeah, yeah. You get a video of, you know, Christmas 2005 or whatever. You know, things like that. So, you know, there's I'm all kinds of things, like, there's... I'm kind of wondering how this is going to transition, because I'm sure when CDs first came out, mm -hmm. everybody thought that was the bomb. Yeah. And now we've all progressed past CDs, and everybody yeah. has to put their music... Yeah, that's the thing. I'm wondering, you have to wonder, like, A, this, is, this yes, will be a, a big boon to people down the road. If QR codes are still used... If there's something that still reads, reads it, them. it and could be the if equivalent the websites of that if the website still is there. still exists. Otherwise, it's just a square yeah. with dots in it. And we like to think of things on the internet living in perpetuity. But again, from stuff that I've been doing this last last week and looking up, looking up different things, there's, you know, a lot of websites from five years ago or ten years ago that are just gone. Gone. Like, I can't even find them in the Wayback Machine. So, yeah, I know. I, like I said, I think it's definitely an interesting idea idea and i think you know it could be definitely a, a it, good it's thing a stepping for... stone into yeah. whatever we do in the future i mean back in the victorian age they used to put literally cages over the entire grave for fear of vampires or, zomb or zombies literally physically mm -hmm. rising out of it <laughs> so they built and left cages embedded into the ground yeah. around the or to grave keep or, or to keep grave diggers from, or grave robbers from there's getting that into too them. yeah it was probably the more practical idea there's that too. But yeah, I mean, I can, like I said, I can definitely see how this would be an amazing boon to like genealogists, genealogists and, and historical researchers down the road. Yeah. You kind of just have to wonder about like... Your great-grandchild comes down and scans the QR code and learns about, she's hey, great-great-grandma was kick-ass. She fought in the zombie apocalypse and survived. Somehow I think most of them would not be quite that exciting. I think they should be. You think there should be a zombie apocalypse? No, I think they should be that exciting. <laughs> Whether or not there is a zombie apocalypse. Click here to see the actual bio of the physical person of the person as they lived. Mm -hmm. Click here if you want to see how the person wishes to be remembered. So, in other technological geekery, uh, the BBC has reported that researchers at Dundee University have invented a sonic screwdriver in the sense that it is a device that turns or moves objects using ultrasound waves. It does not have certain other functionalities of the doctor's sonic screwdriver. Mainly because the sonic screwdriver is more of a plot tool. It is And the I believe ultimate. it's more like, hey, we need to be able to do something. Uh, sonic screwdriver! It is the <laughs> ultimate Swiss army knife. <laughs> It does stuff we don't even know about. I'm so proud of Scotland. But yes, they have actually been able to, like I said, move or turn objects using ultrasound waves. And there was a description of exactly how it works. Like, I think it said it could push them or it sends out a wave that makes sort of a vortex that makes it something turn. And they were saying that it's not just like, yay, we did this thing. It's also, they were saying some of the, the practical implications of it. Like, they were saying... The possibility of doing, like, ultrasonic surgery or medical treatment. So, like, if you can move something inside the human body, you could, say, have a capsule of, you know, something to kill a tumor. Yeah. And you can direct it 
straight to the tumor instead of having to, you know, dose someone like you usually, you usually would. You can direct direct it at the tumor. Or again, you can direct it at other things. I imagine you could, like, you know, move kidney stones along or something like that. Yeah, I could help up with... I wonder how that would affect the... I was going to say that would help alleviate a lot of pain, but... I don't. I guess there haven't been any tests yet on how it affects the human body. Yeah, I don't think it was quite at the human. At, I don't think it was quite at the. It's at the concept stage of human well, using. Yeah, it's at the, com- the concept for possible practical uses inside the human body. Say right. actual physical testing on like objects in the lab, sort of thing. But just think, you could have a sonic screwdriver, a working sonic <laughs> screwdriver, because I'm sure it'd be pretty easy to just add a flashlight to that. As long as you got a flashlight itty bitty little sound and it can move stuff that would be pretty good <laughs> for i'd say 90 percent of the doctor who population oh yes really look what i can do put a usb drive on the other end i think you're set so we've had doctor who now we're moving into star trek scientists in copenhagen have developed a transporter a working transporter now we won't be transporting people just yet they've managed to teleport groups of billions of atoms from one place to another using light quantum mechanics magnetism and something that they call entanglement which takes a lot more iq points than i have to understand yeah i'm not gonna even try to describe it or go into it because i i start going Mm cross-eyed but the essence is that this is something that at an atomic level we have now started to transport. We have transported things in the past at a subatomic level. We have now advanced to atomic level, and I expect in the next year we will be at shopping cart level, where we'll we will be adding things to the shopping cart, and the transporter will bring it to our house when we. That pay. would be nice. Yes, that would be exceptionally. Yarn nice. delivered straight to your house in seconds. Oh heck yes! Gelato from Italy. Pizza from New York. Or mm. Chicago. Or Chicago. Swiss chocolate. Guinness straight from the factory. Mom's home cooking. You can get that easier than I can. Yeah. My mom's quite a long way away. And of course, yarn. Yarn! Yarn from faraway places. We wouldn't have to wait for it to get here. Like certain things that may have arrived today. <laughs> more on that later. Like literally like sitting under the Christmas tree and just looking at it. And finally, in the adorable and cute file, there is a book coming out in Britain at least. I'm not sure when it's being released in the US or North America or elsewhere in the world. Called Darth Vader and Son by Jeffrey Brown, who is a graphic novel artist. He's in a book that asks a simple question. What if Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker had a normal father-son relationship? As normal as Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker can be. Well, for instance, one of the pictures we're looking at, I'm looking at the Guardian article about it. They're at the cantina having a drink at the bar. And Luke's (laughs) blowing bubbles in his drink. And Dad's telling him not to. Are one of my favorites. Ah, that's so cute! Horse tickling! I have you now. Tickling from several feet away. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh my god, that's so cute. Or of course, the one I've seen in quite a few pa- quite a few places is Luke saying, Are we there yet? Not yet. And you can probably find pictures of this. Even if you just Google Darth Vader and Son, you'll find a lot of pictures of this because this has been on quite a few blogs. But like I said, we're looking at an article in The Guardian. Yeah, he said that he had a call from a friend who works at Google as one of its homepage designers. Like one of the, who does some of the Google doodles for holidays. He said they were getting ready for Father's Day and wanted to do something with the idea of how awkward it would be for Darth Vader and Luke to get together for a holiday dinner. And that sort of spawned this whole idea. Great ideas take on a life of their own that way. Mm-hmm. And the people at Lucasfilm have act- have given this their stamp of approval. Oh, cool. 
which I would imagine they would have to before publishing. But he said, too, that it's the sort of thing, he, he can't imagine ever doing something like this before he had kids. Yeah. Now he has a son, and now it's like, yeah, I can imagine how this situation would go. And actually, he says one of the things that helped inspire the book was thinking that, like me, there are so many people who grew up with Star Wars, and they now have kids who are into it, too. When I was growing up, there was nothing my dad was into that had the same connection. I like this last paragraph in the, the Guardian article. It's like, but you don't have to be a Star Wars fan to appreciate what this tender little book tells tells us you can have all the power in the galaxy but that is as nothing compared to the awesome abilities possessed by the average four-year-old <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you know all about that uh, uh, uh. <laughs> i'm very happy my four-year-old is asleep in his bed right now actually here i'm gonna look it up on amazon.com because i'm sure there are a lot of people who would love to get this for fa as a father's day gift yes and now would be a good time to order yep darth vader and son is available as of april 18th in amazon at amazon.com for about nine bucks american it does say usually ships within one to three months so they probably have it available for sale but don't actually have the copies in their warehouse yet mm, okay so you might want to wait a couple weeks just to make sure <laughs> under, the, under the description it says life lessons include lightsaber batting practice using the force to raid the cookie jar oh cool one and take your child to work day on the Death Star. Nice. By the way, I think they have on Think Geek now. They have lightsaber umbrellas. Oh my god. So yeah, if anyone's looking for a Father's Day gift for the Star Wars nerd in your life, that I sounds like that. a good one. Now, of course, for Cravings, Covets, and Crushes, this week is extra special. Yep, because the new Twist Collective came out. Yay! Which is always one of those things where you just like drop everything yes. and go look at it. I keep imagining this collective stampede whenever somebody mentions it on any of the message boards, be it Plurk, be it Ravelry, be it Facebook, whatever. There's just this collective stampeding. <laughs> well, that's why Nitty used to crash every time, or at least slow down every time they released a new issue. There are some pretty, some fairly pretty sweaters. Yeah, twill is nice. It looks very practical yeah. and very... Lanata is nice. Yeah. And it's a, oh. Brookline? Yes. Brookline is, oh, I love it. It's a cardigan with, looks like a, a very simple little dot stitch. It looks like scattered little pearl bumps against a stockinette stitch background and it's got shaping with these welts of reverse stockinette stitch that create the the waist shaping it's, it's really somewhere pretty. between a cardigan and a and a blouse yeah it's well just you know, just it the look of it. the front so just the look of it yeah that's got a v-neck too with no collar oh regent regent oh and actually i should say and brookline is by elizabeth mccarden now the one the first one i'm not a huge spring sweater person so like sweaters that have short sleeves or no sleeves or something like that mm -hmm. don't really do as much for me but oh my god this one this regent is, by marnie mclean this is this got a lot of attention it is mm. very very nice it is a wraparound cardigan with a tie at the waist yep and it has not quite a frill but it looks I would say, like, maybe a boxed or pleated. Yeah, it's edge. like a very wide ribbing that ends up looking like, again, like a box pleat. Or... Yeah. And it's got shaping. The front is actually, each side looks like two triangles or sort of close to triangles. So the hem of it actually angles in, inward towards the front. Yeah. So that it sort of makes an hourglass. 
Yeah. And it's got this nice wide collar. And I love it. Ooh, and it has large sizes too. Most of the Twist Collective stuff does, but Candlewick is pretty by Krista Giles. Mm-hmm. It's basically a cardigan with lace patterns in it. Most of the lace patterns look fairly simple. Like it looks just like a plain yarn over and it two together. And it just has that little sort of bee stitch. And it just looks like it buttons, you know, just straight buttons down the front. The buttons going up to the collar, but of yeah. course you can wear it. Oh, this section. The I feel pretty section. The shawls. So many lacy things. Oh, they were so pretty. And this one. Stellaria? Stellaria? Something like that. By Susanna I.C. Naturally. Oh, I love love it. Yes. That is such, such a pretty piece of work. Yeah, it looks like a very shallow, curved. Yeah. Shawl. It's not really, it's not a semicircular, it's um, crescent shawl. And it's got this lovely, deep, lace pattern around the edging and there's some there's a little bit of what looks like garter or stockinette stitch to start off with but not a huge amount which is kind of nice but oh i love that edging it is very nice i love this one payon p-a-o-n by carrie milani it's a looks like slightly more than a, a half circle yeah you're right. But it's got a lovely... It's very peacockish. Yeah, it, has, it, it, yeah, it does look spiraled. almost like... Yeah, it does look almost like peacock feathers. Like it sort of... flares the way out it goes the out, it has, point. Yeah, and it has little um, sort of spokes of plain... Probably a yarn over... Knit, knit one, well, then a yarn over. more like knit three together or, you know, or like something a, a like double that. decrease. Yeah. And then a yarn over on the other side, which changes into these motifs that could look sort of like the eye of a peacock feather. And it looks pretty big, too. And lacy and, and floaty and pretty. It's very glamorous looking, yes. this one. That one's pretty. The Giardina stole, again, by Susanna Icy. And it looks like a fairly simple one because it looks like it has... The same, it has a an end sort of border, and then it has the basically what looks like the same main pattern, stitch, stitch pattern, pattern that goes through that the goes whole through thing. like ninety percent of the shawl. It's just the two ends that have a slightly different. So that pattern. might be a lacework pattern that you'd be able to memorize. Oh yeah, you'd definitely probably be able to memorize it, and you just go. Yeah, <laughs> I can't see the back of it from this photo, and for some of this doesn't really want to load. Oh, there we go. Yeah, it doesn't really want to load the more information link where they usually have a couple other photos. So I can't see if it's like started at the ends and knit together, or start in the middle and knit out, or start at one end knit to the other end. I'm assuming because the the motifs on either end of the shawl are pointing the same direction. It's probably start at the ends and knit in. Okay. But I can't see where the seam is in the back. That's a really pretty stole. Wow. Elysium has gotten a lot of attention. Yeah. It has a very old world antique look. Yeah. It looks a lot like very old lace, like very old, even like doilies. Or... Yeah. And it looks like it's made up of squares. Of I've seen a lace. couple of people post their progress on this and they're, they've actually got this part blocking. Mm-hmm. So it is, they say that it is a little bit fiddly to start with, but once uh, you get yeah. past <laughs> the, the initial fiddly part. The yeah. pattern is quite simple and you just go. Yeah, and it looks like it's made up of separate squares that are then sort of joined with this open work pattern and make sort of a V-shaped yeah. shawl that then you put an edging on. But wow, that is some very detailed lace work. Yeah, that is that is like a statement sh- showstopper kind of piece. Yeah, and that one's by Janelle Laidman, who's done some pretty stuff. I seem to remember, I can't remember what else she's done, but I know I've heard the name before and I've probably looked at some of her stuff and been like, ooh, I like it. And as usual, there are a bunch of really interesting and informative articles in here. I love Twist Collective. It's has such lovely patterns and such cool articles. Whenever a new one comes out, I basically, I have to 
basically page through it like you would a print magazine. Like I just go from one page to the next and not just skip to the patterns. Oh, the flagstone cardigan is pretty. That's by Connie Chang Chinchio. It's got little pockets down in the hip too. And it's got a little lace pattern that goes sort of around, starts around the bust and then goes up each side of the v-neck. This is one I thought was kind of cool. Oh yes. Paisley by Fiona Ellis. It's different to actually knit the paisley in. Yeah, as a textural thing, not a color thing. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's really neat. And it's got, it's n- interesting how like it uses, creates sort of a I don't know if there's actually shaping with the sort of princess seam, quote unquote, but it's like a little lace pattern that follows the lines of a princess seam. I like that one. And two little paisley motifs down by the hips and then up the sleeves. Up the it looks sleeves, like yeah. The scoop that neck. looks like a fun sweater. Yeah. And part of the, one of the really interesting articles in here is about the paisley motif and the history of the paisley pattern in shawls and things. And it is by Fiona Ellis. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually a picture from it. I just noticed the picture from the start of the article is of paisley shawls. And it's actually from a, an, an exhibit at the uh, Textile Museum of Canada in 2009. I should go back there. We should go there. <laughs> it's really neat. Where's that located? Uh, it's in Toronto. No. It's actually not that far from, like, the Newton <clears throat> Center. And then, of course, we get into the socks. Oh, xylem I like. I like the angled uh, angle of the, the yarn overs at the back. Is it just me or where a lot of these pictures have one long one and one short one? Well, yeah, because they're showing you how you can do... I guess. You know, there's, there's variants, there's pattern instructions for a knee-high. Okay. As well as a... I just wanted to make sure it wasn't me. So they can show you that you can do it in either way. I love the heel on this one. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's sort of neat with the, the cables. The cable diamond and the heel. It makes it look very honeycombed. And that's in Fife by Kate Gilbert. Ooh, Kamala by Maria Nosland. I like those. With that sort of flower motif. Campanule. That's got a flower motif that looks like Lily of the Valley. Yeah, and it up. goes up the up the leg or up the front of the foot. It looks like Lily of the Valley, the flower, not Lily of the Valley, the stitch. Sorry. <laughs> There's no noops or... Sorry, my bad. You're nervous. That is very textural. Yeah. Ashley by Allison Haas. Lots of little cables. And I love that, like, kind of like the little... It kind of reminds you of spats. Yeah. With the bobbles on the side. There's a little bobbly thing on the side. And Glenisee with Quo Vadis with lots more twisted stitches. <laughs> Your favorite. Yes. I love twisted stitch cables. As soon as I finish the socks I'm working on now, I really want to do something with twisted stitch cables. Oh, frond. I love that, the little sort of swirl. Yeah, by Maria Nasland again. It's got these little, it makes me think of like fiddlehead ferns. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That sort of curl going up the front of the foot. So yeah, as usual, there's a whole bunch of things in this issue that I really want to knit. Okay, so we got a package today. An international package so and this is the very last thing we'll talk about so if you really don't care you can turn off the episode here but you know we want to open this up on the air because part of the fun of giving someone a gift is seeing their reaction and if someone happens to send us something out of the very kindness of their heart they don't get to see us react so we do it on the podcast i'm gonna let karen open it (laughs) and this one this is heavy this came all the way from new zealand and part of me is hoping that it has rocks from mount doom in it Certainly feels like a good. Well, as I was telling Maggie earlier, I'm sure that's in some sort of, you know, national park, which, so I'm sure taking any kind of rock or anything from it is, you know, highly illegal because national parks usually frown on them. If there are springy snakes in here, I am so going to scream. (laughs) Ooh. For Maggie. Oh my god. Holy OMG. Oh my god. Dude. Look at all the food. Tim Tams. I've heard of these, but I don't think I've ever had them. Oh my god, this is like Christmas. And mint chocolate things. 
Mormon chocolate things. Yeah, here's what was causing all the weight. Chocolate. Whitaker's chocolate. Hokey pokey. Whitaker's chocolate. Ooh. And I should say, this is all from a lovely Ravelry username who use, goes by Awilda. Oh my god. There's Lush in here. <laughs> little Okay, there's a little box of mints in here. And it says, on it, it says, you are mad. Dear person, you are mad. But I mean that in a nice way. You are nice mad, not scary mad. Scary mad would not be good. Oh god, please don't go scary mad. Mike says, the friends. Friend A, friend B. The friends can connect in a mysterious way without even speaking. Perhaps they have amazing magical powers. Perhaps they are both just peculiar in the head. Okay then! Oh my god, it's a necklace of a Maori carving! Your carving is a corn, which symbolizes a koru. Which symbolizes peace, life, and eternity. Very zen. Oh my god, I Ooh, need zen in my Mine life. is a different one. It says, A Maori carving of a single twist representing the path of life and eternity, symbolizing strength and perseverance. Putting it on now. Totally. Dude, I am so wearing this next week. Anybody who sees me at the convention and points out the necklace gets an extra sticker. Like We only have about 12. I don't care. I'll give them Spongebob stickers if I have to. <laughs> oh my god, yarn! And it's teal. Ooh, and yours is a lovely purple. Hand dyed in New Zealand. Wow. And it's from Nitch. K-N-I-T-S-C-H. Scratching the knitting itch. And it's nitchyarns.co.nz. Mine is the William. I suppose since the prince is now married and taken, this is the most William I'm going to get. Oh, wow. Oh my god, this is awesome! Holy nuts! Mine is in the colorway Asterias. Mm. Oh, now it smells like the soap. Oh my god. Thank you so much! Holy nuts crap. O-M-G. Hokey pokey. Ooh, it's like chocolate with some kind of stuff inside. Hokey pokey pieces. In chocolate, in, in milk, or cho milk chocolate. I'm not entirely sure what hokey pokey pieces are. <laughs> as long as they are not an endangered species, we're fine. No. Oh my god, this is so mega awesome. This is amazing. I don't know even what to say. I'm speechless. I don't know what to say other oh. than, oh my god, thank you. Is yours the same as mine? Oh, see, I have gotten Christmas presents from family members that have not been this cool. <laughs> yes, thank you so much! Because knitters know what to buy other knitters. <laughs> yes, they do. And geeks know what to buy other geeks. Oh man, I kind of want to cast on this yarn. Oh, like, mega, soon. mega cool. And Podcast Kitty says thank you for the box. <laughs> yes, Podcast Kitty is going to love the box. Okay, and on that note, we're going to go squealy somewhere. <laughs> yes, we should stop the squealing now. Yeah, we probably should. <laughs> okay, so yeah, by the time we podcast again, we'll be discussing the the Toronto's Knit the Knitter's frolic. frolic. Yes. And then so. shortly after that, we will be discussing a very cool movie. Yes, we will. So it, it's just, just looking all kinds of cool for the next little while. Yep, so like I said, if you see Maggie at the Knitter's Frolic, say hello, and you will get a sticker. Yep, you will get a sticker. Awesome. Yes. I'm going to wear my watch. Ooh, and you can show those off to everybody. Yes, I can. I hello. can show those off. And come and show off your projects to Maggie. Yes, I will have iPad and camera, and I will take pictures of everybody. Okay, everybody. Bye-bye. We're, we're going to go roll around in Presents. new stuff. Thanks for listening. To visit our show notes, listen to old episodes, or leave something in our tip jar, you can visit us at knit1geek2.mtpockets.org. That's K-N-I-T-1 G-E-E-K 2 dot M-T dash P-O-C-K-E-T-S dot O-R-G. 
You can also comment at our Ravelry group. Just search the Ravelry groups for Knit One Geek 2. We're also on Twitter. You can find us at www.twitter.com slash knit one geek 2. Have a good week, everybody.